Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bloom and Tech. This is David Bloom. Last week I uh, moderated a panel of some pretty sharp folks as part of an inexpensive, actually free, uh, event that the uh, streaming video trade organization OTT.X put on designed to help people starting or uh, trying to build streaming services in Latin America to get some lessons learned from the more developed, uh, somewhat older streaming industry here in the uh, United States. Had some wonderful folks, including uh, Adam Waltuk, SVP of Streaming Partnerships at Televisa Univision, uh, Sunavasan Sharini K.A., who's the co-founder of the broadcast tech consultancy Amagi Corp. He's also an OTT.X board member. Alana Sofko, who's now Chief Strategy Officer for Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment, and Nash Harrington, who's Director of Supply Partnerships for Vizio. Uh, good, go good group with some good ideas. Uh, I love the fact that uh, um, we had a, a fun line, Make Me a Vegetable, which uh, you'll discover more as you listen in. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Talk to you later. We're going to uh, we're going to move on to our last panel session today. A really powerful group of folks that understand the space very well, have a lot to say and a lot that we can learn from them. Um, all very very uh, great friends of OTTX. I'm really excited to welcome our next group to talk about AVOD and Fast. Uh, what's happening in this space right now? Um, with moderator David Bloom, who's a senior contributor to Forbes, uh, and our panelist, Nash Harrington, Director of Supply Partnerships at Vizio, Srini, the co-founder, one of the co-founders at Amagi, Alana Sofko, Chief Strategy Officer for Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment, and Adam Waltuck, Senior Vice President, Streaming Partnerships at Televisa Univision. Welcome, esteemed panelists. I am David Bloom, as Eric said, delighted to be here with you all and a distinguished panel of really smart folks who will make me look uh, less dumb, I hope. Big, big challenge, but uh, interesting time to be uh, trying to stand up and operate and sustain a streaming service wherever you may be. I think there's a very, you know, the, the playbook of how you do this stuff and how it fits into your uh, other media operations is evolving extremely rapidly. Just looking at what's happened in the last few weeks and a couple of months with Netflix and HBO Max and uh, as many of the other, the big, big guys, but the, some of the lessons learned are just as important no matter what your scale is. And if you're getting ready to do this in a newer market, there's certainly some lessons to be learned here. And that's what we're going to talk about. You heard a brief introduction about everybody. They're all really smart, and uh, I, I urge you to track them down. Um, I'll, I don't know if we have a way to, to the, the chat room will allow us to uh, share how you can reach us and all that, but uh, I think everybody's here with an idea of being helpful. I guess to start, speaking of this complex, fast-moving space, I guess I'd like to ask each of my panelists to talk a little bit about Say over the last couple of years, what lessons have you learned about operating your services? How have those evolved in the last couple of years, particularly for things you may do? Now, some of you have an international reach already. Some clearly are going to be there. And I'm just curious about, you know, what are the big lessons you'd like to convey about what you do for your organization and how that's being affected over the last two years as we've had this huge influx in the United States and other places, 
into streaming and then evolution and sort of we're now in this next stage. Adam, why don't you start us up? Because you're with Televisa Univision, which already I've heard has a few operations in the Spanish language market here and there. Yeah, we're trying. We're we're you know really making a big effort to to go into that Spanish speaking business. Um, look, it's it's a good question, and I think that you know every one of us will have a different point of view from a personal perspective. You know, this is a fast moving industry, so I guess we learn something new every day. But to me, the biggest learning over the last couple of years, and especially you know joining Televisa Univision um, a few months ago, but then spending many years of Netflix before, is you know, there's, there's this, there was this one notion in my mind that was focus was key. And focus was really over three things. What the customer wanted, getting the right content, um, and having an amazing product. And the business model was one, was, hey, we'll charge a fantastic price, a great subscription, um, and that's it. Uh, I think we've all seen where Netflix is now and, you know, rethinking about the business model and how they engage with, with the customers. And then the transition over to Televisa Univision and understanding the business model that VIX has, which is a, a, an AVOD SVOD hybrid, which is unique in the marketplace. To me, the biggest learning has been, you know, getting people to get to the top of the funnel um, and having a, a product and a service proposition uh, that makes sense at the very level, get people through the door, expose them to the content, and then slowly but surely, transitioning over to a different business model, in this case, an SWOT, is, at least in my opinion, one of the keys of the success of this industry for the next couple of years. Um, so, you know, changing that mindset in which thinking that it's just about the content or just about the product is not necessarily right. Thinking about the whole funnel and the business model is just as important as, uh, as those two things. So what you're saying, Adam, is the big picture for the small screen is very important. Don't just focus on one chunk of this. It's a three. It's a three-headed monster, and they're all connected. That's that's absolutely right. And I wish I, w I would have said it that way. It's a great reference. Uh, well, Cerberus thanks you for your your imagery. However, <laughs> Alana, I just got off the phone with your boss, Bill, and got some vision on where he's going. I'm curious from your standpoint. Uh, what lessons uh, you've learned? I mean, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul has gotten much bigger. Suddenly, last week, they closed their latest acquisition, Redbox, which is big in the U.S., but has some sort of old-school legacy things like kiosks where people can rent DVDs, which feels like a very 2003 thing, but it's a nice business, among other things, that isn't going away right now. I'm just curious what the lessons learned have been for you all as you all keep rewriting the book over these last couple of years of expansion and acquisition. Well, part of it is the fact that we are working on rewriting the book. And part of rewriting the book is in part to create a whole ecosystem, like Adam was saying, right? You're not just creating a business to a business segment. It's actually refashioning media uh, ecosystem around what makes economic sense in our space, right? And so, and that's been a struggle for everyone. Look at the, how spending has changed on content over time. And we always took the position that that crazy kind of spending was unsustainable and not necessarily what we we're about. And so what we did instead was build a vertically integrated studio that has its own networks to de-risk the cost of content on its way to our AVOD and other online networks. 
And so that's worked pretty well for us. There are still problems that we're trying to solve there. The other lessons learned apart from this whole journey is the destination of redefining the ecosystem is that, you know, we deliberately built our company by looking at undervalued, really important properties that were suffering because of the disruption in the industry and acquiring them and putting together what I think of as our factory. Um, when that happens, it isn't always the kind of situation you would have architected on paper and built for yourself. So being facile with what you have is really important. And one of the ways where we, I think, got super lucky and played our hand very well was that with our acquisition of Crackle, we got a mature direct ad sales team, the plumbing to be an ad rep business. And as a player in our space, and I would say we're one of the bigger of the smaller AVODs. But you all bought Crackle, which was a big service that had been around for a number of years with Sony, but kind of lost over there, really. I mean, they didn't well, really it didn't know what get to do the with attention. It. Well, it didn't get the attention it probably needed as uh, it would have as a standalone product or if it had been sort of acquired by a different entity than Sony. But they did create this great ad sales force. And we have been blessed with an ad rep business that comes with it. And we've been able to play to our strength and grew our business significantly because of a player of our size to have a direct ad sales force that's as mature as we are. We're a must buy with all the agencies. And so it gives us the benefit of being able to ad rep for a number of other mid-size AVOD clients that we do very, very well with. So, so it's like it, a side business for you all is to also sell like an agency almost for some other partners that are maybe not quite your scale, but worth selling into. Yes. Right? One of, so one of our digital lines of business is an ad sales rep business that came from the direct sales team that we picked up when we acquired Crackle from Sony. Redbox uh, closes some other uh, holes in your all's uh, fairly unified space. But the key, talking to Bill, was how we make all that come together. So we've got first-party data, which is really important, coming from a lot of different kinds of uses, whether it's a kiosk or a streaming service or, or whatever it may be. It's selling stuff, transactional VOD, selling that to people or ready to get to them. So you've got a lot of ways to get information about your consumers that you can connect together. But one of the challenges is figuring out the data that matters to have a better ad experience and to have a better programming viewing experience, right? So how are you all doing that? I mean, you know, you create the feedback loop on performance on your products and constantly tinker and make things more valuable and more seamless along the way. I mean, you know, there's relevance in what content you choose and in what order and what comes next, what you choose after that. The piece, because you started with Redbox and I, you know, started working with my new colleagues a few days ago. So I can tell you You've there's... Had hours to be with I've had hours. Hours. <laughs> But That's yeah, a lot of I mean, minutes. That's a lot of minutes. <laughs> it's true. You're absolutely yes, right. Yes. So you've got so, to I mean, solve. Yeah, there's an integration work stream that is focused on just how do we, you know, stitch. You know, most of the businesses that we bring to the mix are B2B, right? It's content, production, financing, distribution, you know, on a B2B basis, right? Our, our digital products, Crackle, Popcorn Flicks, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Avod, we're really the consumer facing businesses. So the Redbox piece adds, you know, knowledge base of I think 40 million users that are using similar digital products as well as analog ones. What they all have in common, Redbox audience and ours, is that they are 
purveyors of a value experience, right? They are looking for the cheapest possible way to get the best entertainment. And so together, we were always going to own that audience anyway. So, so we so know that's, we're, that's, we're that's interesting on. for our listeners because they may be in markets that don't necessarily have a big, wealthy, upscale market, but there's a big market there. And so you have to prove you have to sell a value experience, right? You ha how you have you have to provide value quickly so people know what they're getting and you got to do it at a price and you got to do it efficiently. Well, in our case, yeah, in our case, it's free unless you're renting a DVD. In which case, it's a pretty good value, yeah. yeah. But you still have yeah. to give them something that they want to watch. You know, free yep. and terrible is not a win. At least Agreed. where I come from. So, and that means a lot and, of things, right? It means yeah, the experience yeah. when they when the ads are served to you and what kinds of ads you get. But it also means how jarring is it while you're watching the content and how you know, the general user experience of the flow and and what content you have to choose from. So it's a, a number of different things. Bill said he did not anticipate you all creating a subscription service or buying a subscription service anytime soon, which makes sense because he believes AVOD is going to be really, really, really the business and a big business. Fasts will sort of fade once we get better at having a good AVOD experience. And lots of folks will be on AVOD because they can get a uh, on-demand experience of exactly what they want if you guys can figure out how to give it to them. If you can serve it up and make it a nice experience so they don't just like give up and say, just give me uh, something that's playing so it's sort of like what I want. Nash at Vizio, you are what they call an OEM, an original equipment manufacturer, the biggest American TV maker in the world. And you have a really nice little market there, but you also have a very sophisticated platform. That is sort of a competitor to the Roku's uh, and the Google TV slash Android TVs of the world. You like to think and, so. Yeah. Well, you've got 16 <laughs> million, 16 million activated screens. Yep. So that's not nothing. Talk a little bit about if you are a, and you all are mostly in the United States, your, your distribution, but you're yes. slowly coming out. I think you're in Mexico, correct? We are in Mexico, but yeah, we primarily are focused on, on the United States, but we are in Mexico and Canada a bit. Yeah, so you're in North America generally. Yeah. Further international expansion is possible, but more generally, I think there are lessons to be learned about dealing with somebody like you because Samsung is doing what you do. Sony does what you do, sort of. Certainly Roku is more and more that way. Amazon with the Fire TV stuff and all the things that it does is sort of like you lg all of them have a platform right and all of them have a hardware software platform that um, mm -hmm. streamers want to be on so how yeah. how do they how do they do that what are tactics to be on the service like what you all have and what do they need to be aware of and how do they how do they make that happen yeah absolutely your, your distribution you're like the vmvpd right? The virtual yeah. cable provider of the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in a number of different ways, quite honestly, we, you know, with our televisions, we have our smart cast applications, which include everything under the sun that you, that you would imagine as an application, which includes subscription apps like your Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max and things of that nature. But then we also have our Watch Free Plus offering, which is our fast channel offering that has the, the EPG and that full traditional uh, environment that people are used to consuming ad-supported uh, linear television in, uh, but of course uh, called a fast service. 
And so there's a number of different ways for, um, you know, for a publisher to be able to access eyeballs, to be able to access consumers through a platform like Vizio. Um, you know, we talked a little about this before, but I think that one of the ways that a publisher, especially a publisher that doesn't have the gravitas of a Netflix or Univision or, you know, one of those brands that people know right out of the door um, is to really work to partner with the platform. You know, that's something that we do here at Vizio quite a lot. I know it's something that's done at other platforms as well when you're trying to diversify your distribution. Um, but working with those platforms to uh, not only obviously there's the, you know, the paid advertising opportunity and all of that, but more importantly, in my opinion, especially for a smaller up and coming uh, publisher is the opportunity to partner with editorial, you know, a company like Vizio, we're constantly, we have an editorial department that's constantly programming our front screen, uh, programming special event sections around holidays, around times of year, like back to school, uh, summer vacation, things like that. And it's important for us to work with publishers to make sure that we are sending viewers into content that fits into those categories. And so we have programs where we'll, where we'll work with publishers to, to find out what type of special editorial work that they're doing. Maybe they're promoting a certain series that's only going to be windowed for a month or something like that during the summer or a new films, a new set of films that are coming in from, from another studio. And as long as those publishers are in regular communication with us, the platform, and especially our editorial team, that's a really great way for publishers to gain a little bit more face time with the consumer and, uh, uh, you know, surface their content and surface their their app and or fast channel more easily on, on a platform and, and kind of cut through the masses a little bit. Yeah, it's really important because you've got some opportunities whether it's you guys or Roku or any of the others, there's the equivalent of the retailer's end cap, right? I mean, that's effectively what we're talking about. And yes, it may cost you a little bit of money, but done strategically, that can be an opportunity to raise some visibility every so often. Hey, we're here and we've got stuff you might be interested in. And like I said, there are, you know, you brought up, it takes a little bit of money. In some cases it does, but there are absolutely ways to surface your content by partnering with the platform uh, from an editorial perspective and, and doing what you can to, to surface in that way. Because the com different companies I've worked for, I worked for Cynodyne years ago when we were first launching Con TV and Dove Channel. I worked with Srini. Uh, and Amagi to 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 launch the, some of those early fast channels uh, and start distributing to the likes of Vizio and Roku and Amazon, you know, places like that. You know, it's important when you're getting started like that. It's tough for you know even a company like Cinedyne that's well established in the business to compete with you know the name recognition of a Netflix when you're launching brand new applications, you're creating new brands. You have to cut through. You have to cut through the the sound and and get to viewers. And one of the again just. I'll keep beating that drum. One of the best ways to do that is to partner with a fast distributor like an Amagi and, and work on their connections with platforms to try to get, um, you know, to surface your channels more and work with the actual platforms you're distributing your apps and channels to. Uh, again, you can spend money, you can throw a little bit of money at it if you have budget for it, but there are absolutely ways to, to work those relationships and, and do what you can to try to surface content from an editorial perspective. So don't be a stranger. These platforms no. are, are the thing carrying your content to millions of households. So be friends, be helpful, 
figure out how you can leverage those relationships in smart ways that help them and help you. Like figure out that common ground. That's a vital absolutely. Srini, I want to hear from you. I think everybody probably knows the other three for sure, but Amagi, talk a little bit about what Amagi is. You're a co-founder, if I recall, and you've been around the business a long time, but what does Amagi do? And then let's talk a little bit about lessons you've learned in the work that you've done over the last couple of years and how that could be applied by some of our listeners as they stand up and build sustainable businesses. Amagi is in the business of essentially helping content owners to manage, move, and monetize their content to platforms, uh, as Nash was saying, right? Uh, if you have content and you want to distribute it, reach third-party audiences, whether it's Fast, AWOT, other, other platforms, uh, you know, we help the content owners to, you know, create fast linear channels, distribute it. Uh, you know, we work with, you know, right here with Crackle, with Redbox, with uh, uh, Vizio. So on the either on the platform side or on the content side to help make that connection and help monetize that through dynamic ad insertion. We work with about 650 uh, media brands uh, that for fast channels and delivered over 2,000 channels uh, today in fast. Uh, 50, 50 plus platforms. Uh, I mean, training closer to 100 now globally. Uh, so it's been a very, very interesting experience having that, you know, you know, being through the whole fast growth over the last five years. You know, we're pretty much there are only a couple of platforms globally that are even looking at fast and fast was this, uh, this weird thing that Pluto was doing on the side, right? Sort of stuff to, you know, becoming mainstream. And just interesting that you're seeing now consumer surveys and for surveys, uh, talking about how fast uh, people love fast, right? I mean, so the content has a long, long way to go to getting more and more premium content, but the experience of just having to come in on EPG and just be able to watch, not having to think, make me a vegetable. Don't make me think, right? <laughs> just let, yeah, give I it to me. Like that is a, that's a, that's a, that's a marketing slogan. Make me a vegetable. You know, I mean, it's one way <laughs> to have a better diet, right? All of a sudden you're just a vegetable who needs to eat vegetables when you become one. But that being said, the point, the really big important point there, I think, is that these fast channels are here because they simplify what is an unconscionably complicated experience now. It is too hard to find stuff you want to watch. It takes too long. And you just sit down. Sometimes you just, you're worn out or you've got to, you're cooking. Like I, at five o'clock, I don't want to sit around and figure out some complex program that's going to be cool at nine o'clock because I'm cooking. I, I got I don't want something on, but I don't know what it is. And the fast really kind of fills some of that, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the deal. Absolutely, it solves the paradox of choice where I don't need to go search for stuff. And more importantly, uh, to Nash's point as well, right? It's somebody editorial. Somebody is manually curating it for me, so I trust this brand to come in. What is the what is the whole idea of a television network? I mean, it, they were ultimately licensing content from other production studios. Benefit of the brand, you know, when I go to a, a you know Bravo or whatever, right? is that somebody is sitting there curating the content for me. So I trust them to get me the right content at 9 p.m., whatever to watch when I think about Bravo, right? So that's the idea for fasting. Somebody else is doing most of the heavy lifting for me. It's not just machine giving me the same content over and over again, showing me the same uh, stuff. You know, it's like, it's not a YouTube experience. Uh, it's truly a television experience. I mean, and it's simple. Tell me, tell me, since you have been dealing with 650 different operators, You've got a pretty good view across the universe here. Who 
is doing well? Which companies stick out for doing something clever or better or different that really matters in terms of this new, relatively new sector of the streaming business? Anybody come to mind? <laughs> no, there are quite a few that are doing, that are taking very interesting approaches, uh, David. I mean, the two pastels, right? One are the con owners, right? The, the media brands actually are building content. And two are the platforms like Vizio. Uh, and Redbox are actually are aggregating and distributing it to the end consumers. So if I look at the common owners, I mean, one thing that we are seeing that is working very well and fast is the single IP channel. I mean, that did, that concept did not exist in the traditional television world, where you create take one show and have them have that whole show season after season, episode after episode, play as a binge watch, right? That all you get on the channel is that. I mean, think about The Office as a channel, right? The you know, Office. The Simpsons, uh, South Park channel, right? You know, you know what you're getting. It's just more of that stuff. And, and it's comfort food. You, it's not like, hey, it's not like you haven't watched that. It's just that you know what you're getting and you want that, right? It's just going to be there. Uh, and we've seen music, for example, or, you know, more just weather. It's just running in the background. So it's either background noise that's always on. And just as you're saying, right, I'm cooking. It's always on or something, uh, something, something I know I'm comfortable with. I want to watch it again. Right, not something low, I don't want to expose low demand on your mental capacities again. Exactly. Make me a vegetable. I, I swear to God, that's going to be my uh, my logo from now on. Make me a vegetable. <laughs> so, so we've seen some of these be very, very successful. And I mean, people have dug into really, really 50 year old even content, right? And some of these are surprisingly doing well, right? Extremely well. Uh, uh, one thing, I mean, uh, Cinedine, for example, Bob Ross, I mean channel that's all about Bob spending. I mean, doing extremely, extremely well. So we have seen some of those examples where people have gotten the right brand. The brand is well-known. The content is good and create the single IP and actually place it well, work with the platform, promote it. You get there. It does extremely well. That's one that we've seen. Two, from a platform perspective, again, we've seen some really, really interesting experiences. I mean, people are experimenting. Hey, what's the right ad load? Do I want the same ad load like a 15, 16 minutes that a traditional TV provides or do I want a five minute? Six minutes. How many ad breaks should I have? I mean, the good thing about fast as opposed to traditional TV is that there's tons of data coming, real time data coming back that you can collect that can actually make, help you make decisions, even do A-B testing to see what works and start adapting to the uh, consumer behavior. So starting to see a lot of interesting stuff. I'm just, I'm just going to guess that 16 minutes of ads in an hour doesn't play well in the streaming space. I'm just going to throw that out there as, you know, maybe you don't load up the ads. I happened to be listening to a baseball game on old school radio last night, driving to an event. And uh, I got to tell you, it was amazing how many ads they had on there. It's unlistenable after a while. I mean, it's really hard. So you've got to figure out how to do it and make money off of it with probably less, right? Absolutely. And and I think... That's one thing the, the fast world can do well, right? Is to learn from the, right, in terms of increasing the value of the ad inventory that you have, rather than actually learning the wrong things from digital, where you commoditize every ad that, you know, it's, it sells for pennies, right? How do you actually learn from the television world where every ad is premium, right? Where you actually start selling the ad as it should be, where you have limited, limited ads, but sold at a much higher premium because you're talking about a, a branded content television-like experience, brand safe, connected TV, family experience, large screen, non-skippable ad, right? That's the holy grail for advertising, if you will, and with lots of data that you can use for targeting, right? So if we do it right, 
I think absolutely, you can limit the experience and still make tons of dollars on that. And, and actually, part of what you're suggesting is by limiting the experience and the inventory, you can make more money, particularly if it's well-targeted, you can make more money with fewer ads because it's less no annoying. People are more engaged. They're more likely to stick around and or ch instead of changing the channel. And you're getting paid more and you're not flooding the market in a, that supply and demand stuff. You're not flooding the market in quite the same way. I mean, it's all those kind of play together. You can have a you can have a better experience for your, your viewer and you can make more money with fewer ads if you do it right. But that's the key. You got to do it right. Absolutely. You put it way better than I did. Absolutely. Then. Well, I'm a journalist. I'm supposed to translate. So. <laughs> I'm curious. We're in a very competitive market now in the United States. And that will certainly play out in the rest of the world as more services come on. And we've got an economy in the United States and other parts of the world that is not as strong as it was, um, say, a year ago, or not as overheated, I think is what the U.S. Treasury Department would say, not as overheated as it was a year ago. But it may be a little more difficult. Ad spends have come back, have pulled back a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. And some of the irrational exuberance of investors has certainly pulled back on streaming from a year ago. How do you grow your viewer base, your subscriber base, as that competition grows in a complicated market? Or is this like a really great time to be in the fast slash AVOD business because people aren't subscribing as much? Alana, why don't we start with you? Sure. Uh, you know, we look at that two ways. And to your point, when markets get tighter and discretionary spending pulls back, you tend to see an increase in usage of free and ad-supported media. So we definitely have the, what is it, the tailwinds from that, I, I think, bolstering us. From our perspective, however, you know, we are pretty active with M&A. And so growing audience by acquiring and driving consolidation in the market really works for us, too. So... Yeah, I expect a lot more consolidation in the U.S. market. I suspect some of that will take a while to play out in other markets that aren't as uh, filled out yet. But absolutely, there'll be some consolidation. Adam, what what are you saying? What as you look around, what what are the tactics people should be doing to drive subscribers and viewers? Or when you're more of a, a niche play, is it purely numbers, or is it the right numbers that matter? So I, I think there's a few things, right? So number one, it's still debatable whether a, you know, not ideal macroeconomic context helps or doesn't help as well. I mean, we've seen in the past um, many different as for as what services grow, even when, you know, the macroeconomic situation wasn't necessarily the best. Of course, I think that the, the industry has matured and it's been a while since we've been in that position. So we'll see how it plays out this time around. In any case, you know, I think there's two things. Number one is getting the right value offer is is key. You know, we'll focus in, in what we're doing from a big perspective. We know what our consumers care about. They care, they care about the best entertainment in Spanish, whether if that's films or uh, or shows, and they definitely care about soccer. We know that, you know, we, we Latinos love our, our, our soccer. Soccer is um, crazy, right? I mean, India soccer is crazy. Soccer in, in, in Euro's markets, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm Argentinian. Football, Most football, of my weekends football. are. Yeah, I, 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 I say soccer because I, I, I... say football. 
I, it's okay. <laughs> let's call it the right way then, football. Um, I spend most of my weekends watching some sort of game. So, you know, from a Vic perspective, we said, hey, we want all three of those things in one single product for $6.99. I think it's a killer, killer value offer. And, you know, in the context of, you know, a complicated macroeconomic situation, we think that that is going to cut through the, the, the whole thing and, you know, really make a difference. But then on top of that, I do think that the, you know, having this hybrid AVOD, SVOD model helps a lot. You know, we know that people will come and go. There's going to be a natural churn. Churn is going to be, especially outside of the U.S., involuntary churn is going to be big. You know, when there's no money in the account, why would you even pay for an SVOD? And in those cases, we don't want people to live the environment. We don't want people to go somewhere else. We want them to stick around, whether if that's watching one of our AVOD content or even one of our fast channels with uh, one of our various partners. So, you know, there's going to be a show or a film or a soccer game pretty soon that will justify any of those users from coming back. We hope that they will stick around and, we, you know, we work hard for them to never return. But if they do, we want them to be at, at arm's length to come back. And I think that's going to be the key to navigate this, this situation for the next couple of months. So, uh, and, and it's important to note that you all have live sports and other live programming from the start. Now, a lot of that's in VIX Plus, right? Not as the AVOD service, the, the ad-supported service, right? So there's there's live content in the AVOD service. So there are there's news uh, and sports so, news. And then we, correct. And then we have, um, we have a bunch of uh, different games on, on AVOD as well. So we, we have a promise of having at least one premium game on AVOD. Hopefully it's going to be more than that. So, you know, just last week we had a bunch of different live important big games in, in, in our AVOD service. So we have that consumer promise and, you know, we're going to stick to it. Nash, real quickly, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, real quickly, from your standpoint as an OEM and a platform guy, we talked a little bit about building up those relationships. What other things can they do to help drive viewership and all that comes with that? Well, I mean, again, coming from a platform perspective, we don't spend a lot of our day-to-day time on driving viewership. Obviously, the publisher is really focused on that. But, you know, I'll reiterate what I said earlier, that partnering with the platform is always really important. There are opportunities to buy. Um, And then I think also just being aware of where the consumer is shifting. Uh, we've talked a lot about AVOD. Um, Adam talked about, you know, their hybrid models of a combination of subscription and AVOD. But I think what's really important to take away is that, especially over the last couple of years, through what we've all been through and the time, the extra time we spent at home, people spent more and more time consuming streaming television, exponentially grew the awareness around the opportunity that was there. And with that, people had to cancel subscriptions because you, you know, in the past it was all five, I'll throw five bucks at it to not have to watch ads. But when there's 10 different apps that you need to use, that's expensive. So we're seeing more and more consumers okay with consuming ads. Serini talked about, you know, 16 minute uh, long, you know, 16 minutes per hour of ad breaks. Traditionally, you know, we're seeing the average with streaming television, fast channels and apps more around, you know, eight or nine minutes. And so it's a much lighter ad load. Ad breaks sometimes are only 90 seconds long, uh, maybe 120 seconds at most. And so it's a much easier ad load to get through. And the last thing I'll say is, I think the final transition to really make AVOD and ad-supported fast that much stronger is getting the advertising community to understand the direction that we're going, that it is not about 
I want to see my campaign run on Discovery Plus or I want to see it run on Peacock just because they have the cachet of saying it's a name of a network that they recognize. The reality is, is that viewers are consuming all kinds of different content, those singular fast channels that are just, you know, Hell's Kitchen over and over and over and over again. Those viewers are just as valuable. They're the same viewers that are watching. Discovery Plus. And so companies like Vizio utilizing our ACR data that we overlay on our TVs, that's all opted in, as well as, you know, a lot of different companies have the different ways that they're, that they're gathering data, but we're gathering that audience data because we're trying to give clients the opportunity to target not based on, I want to buy MTV or I want to buy Discovery or I want to buy NBC. They say, I want to buy 18 to 35 and I want it to be this level of income within the household, this size of family. And because of the way that data is nowadays, we're able to non-invasively be able to get an idea of where those people are at and what they're watching so that clients can actually target their campaigns to real people as opposed to this idea of who might be watching a network. And so, you know, clients aren't quite there yet. We're still working on getting them there, but it's really the long term. The really the long term is, is getting brands to understand that they can reach audiences directly regardless of what channel it plays on. Okay, so think about it as audiences, not specific programs. It's audiences across all kinds of things. Think about that. Finally, Srini, we've got a couple minutes, only a minute or two left. Real quickly, any last uh, words of advice or lessons for driving viewership that you can think of uh, to share with our listeners before we wrap this up? Absolutely, David. A couple of things, right? Just when, whenever there's a, a downturn, as uh, Ilana was talking about one, we see people actually switching, doing a lot more of ad supported viewing. So, which is very, very positive. And two, from an advertiser perspective, as funds, you know, get, get crunched, you want to go to the most efficient medium. And CTV tends to be much, much more efficient than linear TV. So, the hope is that even if you look at some of the earnings releases that we have seen over the last few months, uh, last few weeks, uh, we see that, you know, connected TV comparatively has actually been better than linear. Right, overall. So the hope is that, that with, with the potential downturn, uh, what you'd see is you know an acceleration to CTV compared to linear because that provides much better efficiency for the advertiser uh, when you have limited funds. So as a, as a con owner, if you want to drive viewership, it's 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 about ensuring that you understand the audience. You know, build uh, experiment a lot. I mean, we we strongly recommend all our customers during the CTV our uh, customers during the CTV uh, space to do a lot more A/B testing. Try stuff. You know, don't think about it like a traditional linear that you have to do one and wait for a Nielsen uh, to figure out what you want to change, right? You can do stuff in real time, try things with different people and see what works, write ad loads, write experience, where you want the advertising, how long you want the advertising, other ad units, innovative ad units can be overlaced rather than a regular two-minute ads. So you can do a whole bunch of things with CTV that you cannot do with a traditional one. So that's, that's what we recommend. That, that makes a lot of sense. Remember, collect the data, use the data, figure out how to optimize, but try stuff. Throw things against the wall. When people aren't watching very much at the start, that's a perfect time to experiment, right? Because no one's going to hold it against you. No one's going to remember, oh, you did that two weeks after you launched, and now you've got 15 times as many viewers. Try it now. Figure it out. Go from there. And with that, I think we'll wrap this up. Thank you, everybody for your wonderful insights and I hope it's helpful to our audience. And with that, I will wrap it up. This is David Bloom.